Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, good morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt McCarrier. I'm a member here. Um, as always, excited to be here with you this morning. Um, I told them that I was going to try and use the, uh, the stool and the uh, podium here, and they laughed at me. <laughs> they were like, you're not going to sit down. Uh, and so I'm going to try, though. I'm going to try because I want to do something a little bit different uh, this morning. I was thinking while I was preparing for this sermon and I was thinking through what I do to prepare for a sermon, what I do in my own personal Bible studies. And uh, as I was thinking about that, thoughts just kept popping up about people through my life who have um, asked me how to read the Bible. When I was in full-time ministry, it was one of the most common questions that I would get. was uh, either a question or it would be an excuse, right? Like, I, just, I don't know how to read it. Or they'd come and say, I don't know how to read this. Book. I know I'm supposed to be reading it, um, but I just don't know how. And so as I was prepping for this, I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if during the sermon I kind of just walked through, instead of um, giving maybe real succinct points, just kind of walked through and gave you my kind of meditations on this passage and what I did to prep to t- speak with you and just walk through it a little bit to show you how I personally read through the Bible and what I do whenever I look through a passage. And in the same um, kind of experience, we can pull the points that we're looking for out of it together. Um, And so I want to do that today with you, and uh, I'm excited to bring you the passage that we are going to be looking at. We're jumping into a whole new series this morning, and uh, that series is called Difficult Peace. I don't know about you, but uh, I feel like it's been real difficult to find any kind of good things to happen, (laughs) let alone peace, a difficult joy, difficult love. Difficult piece for sure. I was just, I was speaking with my wife this uh, week and I said, I feel almost like we are in a dream. I keep feeling like I'm going to wake up. Maybe uh, those of you who have lived longer than I have lived, uh, maybe have gone through more than I've gone through or are experiencing this differently, but I just keep looking at the world and every day when I wake up and look at the news, I'm just more blown away and I just keep expecting to like wake up from this weird dream, you know, and then to, to look over and say, oh, this, this was all a dream. Um, but it's not. And we're going through a time that I think is very difficult. Um, I've experienced a lot of difficulties over these years as much as you have all experienced it, I'm sure. And today I want to look at the passage uh, we're going to look at in Daniel because it talks about Daniel's experiencing a difficult time a difficult aspect. And we're going to look through this passage. We're going to read through the whole passage. And uh, this passage is actually one that a lot of people maybe dismiss uh, because it's hard to really contextualize to our own personal story, right? Uh, We're going to be looking at Daniel in the lion's den. And maybe you experienced that as a kid. Uh, Maybe you've read through it a couple times. Maybe you look at that story and you think, I'm not going to get thrown into a lion's den. Um, That's doesn't happen now, and I don't know how to relate to this passage or what that looks like. And so 
Again, part of my hope today is that we can work through this passage together and really break down how we can look at it today and how we can apply it to ourselves today and our relationship with Christ. Because Daniel, he's a really, uh, he's a very interesting character. He, I think even more so than some of the others, embodies what it meant to be a Christian before being a Christian was even a thing. Uh, Unlike any other kind of Old Testament uh, hero, you could call them, Old Testament um, character that we look at, he is experiencing a world that is very um, anti his religion. He's experiencing a world that doesn't want to um, accept what he has to offer and doesn't want him to believe what he believes. He's been taken from his homeland. So uh, where we are in history here is that the Babylonians have conquered um, Israel. And so uh, they have conquered and the Persians have conquered and they keep going. Everyone keeps conquering and conquering and conquering each other. And you end up with the people from Israel, from the the Jewish nation has been enslaved. They've been exported out of their country and they've been dispersed throughout the empire. And Daniel is one of our characters here who is a part of that. He's taken as a young man with a group of other young men, and he's taken from his home into a new country, into a new place. And he has to deal with trying to figure out how to follow God, how to experience his religion inside a place where his religion is one of many, and uh, it's not elevated in any sort. It's not seen as true or real any more than any other religion is seen as true and real. And there are laws in this country that he's been exported into that actively go against the laws of his own religion. And we see Daniel, there's a lot of things that we can look at in our own experience where we're in a place where uh, maybe the world around us looks at us and says, your viewpoint is no more valid than this other viewpoint, this other religion. And so there's a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels here. And uh, Daniel has to face a lot of trials. And in his life, he's elevated to status uh, where he can use his influence to try and help people around him. But in that, he also makes enemies and he is put into a time where he has to really struggle and there's difficult times in his life. And so we're going to look at this passage, like I said, try to break it down a little bit, but it's a little bit of a long one um, because we're going to read through Daniel 6, 1 through 28. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 providences. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. So Darius is the king of this time. So if you want to know, Daniel is taken. We've been talking about a bunch of different kings um, who oversaw this uh, conquered nation of Israel. And the succession that we see them go in is Nebuchadnezzar, who did the conquering. He takes Daniel and his companions and brings them in. Then Nebuchadnezzar is, steps down and his son Belshazzar takes over. After Belshazzar, we have Darius. After Darius, we have Cyrus. And we talked about Cyrus. Pastor Brandon talked about Cyrus a few weeks ago as the one who actually let them leave and return. So Daniel is actually a part of this story the entire 70 years that they are in exile. Um, and he is a part, um, in one way or the other, of an influence to the king all four kings through that 70-year period. And so the king 
also chose Daniel and two other as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all of the other administrators and the high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they could not find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds of accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except for you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But then Daniel learned that the law had been signed. He went to his home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and, they ask, uh, and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him of his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who pays or prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians and cannot be revoked. So what we see here, this is interesting, but in their culture, this is... Um, this has been proven outside of the Bible as well. There's extra biblical um, accounts of how this government worked. There were certain laws that the king himself could enact, and, uh, and then once they were enacted, he could not um, take them back until they were seen through. And this was one where it seems weird for 30 days. Really what he did was he created a holiday. Um, he created a holiday, and he said, this holiday is going to stand through the next 30 days, and during that holiday, everyone's going to worship me. And uh, he probably saw no fault in that because he's like, sure, everybody likes a holiday and I like what this holiday is about. So um, I'm cool with this. And so once it was going to, you know, phase out and time out, then the law was null and void and it was gone. And so he probably didn't think it all the way through. And we see this as happening. A lot of times when we get to this passage, a lot of people get like hung up like, what is going on here? And that's basically what happened is he, his administrators tricked him into creating this holiday for the next 30 days. And... Uh, with very severe punishments for a holiday. It's like, like, 4th of July, celebrate, or you're going to jail. Oh, okay. Um, it says, yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. 
So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of the lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought out and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, my, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel and had them thrown in the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent the, this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that you, everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the powers of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, that's a big passage. And I wanted to read through the whole thing because, like I said, I wanted to kind of give you an insight into how I go about kind of breaking these things down. The first is, and I think Pastor Brandon has mentioned this several times, is that the Bible is read, meant to be read as whole. Now, I understand a lot of times we don't have time to sit down and read an entire book or an entire thing. So what I like to do is look through entire sections. Now, luckily, there's been people throughout the past who have gone through and said, hey, this is a section that kind of all goes together and they've broken it down for us. Now, we don't have to. If you actually, there's certain translations of the Bible where they've taken out chapters and uh, they've taken out verses because obviously the, the original writers would not have included those. It would have just been one long narrative. And so there's ways to read through the Bible where those aren't there, but they are beneficial for when we're reading through and we can look. And so it's good to take, we can take and pick verses out of a story like this, but to get context for what's happening and what's going on in Daniel's life, it's always great to um, read through that whole passage. Once we have a passage kind of picked out and we're looking at it, um, the thing that I like to do next is look at who the key players in the passage are. Now in this passage we have a couple of key players, three actually. Uh, the first is King Darius. Uh, the next is the other officials who are like... Uh, um, who are Daniel's co-officers, and then you have Daniel. And when we look at these three people, or three groups of people, what I then like to do is try to put myself in the shoes of those groups. And see, the reason I do this is because very often we tend to, when we're, writing, we're reading through Scripture, a lot of times we only see ourselves as the hero of the story. Uh, we only see ourselves as Daniel. But there's a lot of times that I am Darius or I am the officials. Uh, to kind of give you an example, you look at Darius and we see how he enacts this um, holiday kind of foolishly 
doing things without thinking. How often have I um, done things without thinking things through, without um, kind of holding back? Um, he was easily flattered and tricked. Um, the Bible tells us to be wise and to be cunning and to allow um, pretty words to kind of go in one ear and out the other to get to the root of what they're trying to. So Darius is showing a lack of wisdom in this situation. And then beyond that, he's being tempted by the world, essentially, these other officials, his advisors, to elevate himself above God. See, Darius was no stranger to other gods. He was a person uh, who had conquered many nations, and there was a lot of gods, a lot of worship that he allowed, and he actually bought into in his own kingdom. And so, even though he's a man who believed in gods, other gods, many gods, he still thought, yeah, this is okay to make myself equal with them. And sometimes we struggle with things like that. We look at that and we say, well, that's never me. I can't put myself in that situation. Okay, well, maybe I've never created a holiday for myself. I don't oversee a country. I have a household that I oversee. And there's a lot of times when my selfish actions in my household have caused those people in the household to have experienced difficult times. See, there's a lot of ways that we can look at Scripture, and when we put ourselves in the perspective of the characters that are in there, the players that are a part of these verses and, and passages, we can look at ourselves kind of more openly. We can look at um, this character of Darius as more human, right? We look at him maybe as, uh, oh, he's an idiot, or, or he's, he's, a, he's a bad guy. He's a person, He's a person with an immense amount of influence and power, and he got influenced by the world into thinking, yeah, what I want and what I think is good is better than anything else. And how often do we do that? So that's what I do. I start to look through those, and I try to get into each person. And sometimes when I'm reading through, I'm in that process of being a Darius. Maybe I just did something selfish. And I look at that situation, and I say, oh, man, that's really convicting to me. Look what happened. Look at the destruction that came from the foolishness of Darius or the selfishness of Darius. So it's able to allow me to kind of be reflective of who I am. The next group would be the other officials. When we look at the other officials, we can uh, look at that and say, well, I've never like, tried to get someone murdered or like, thrown into a lion's den. No, but how many of us have had coworkers that maybe got a promotion or something and, uh, and we see them and we look and we say, I really don't like that. <laughs> I wish that there was something that I could find in their character or in their person um, that would allow me to maybe be elevated above them or keep them from being elevated or being um, promoted. And so we, we, there's a lot of times when in our own working environments, we experience situations like this where maybe we talk negatively about someone, maybe we gossip about someone, we spread rumors, maybe we actively go out to sabotage another person's career. That is not uncommon. I have seen that several times in my own personal life. And so when we look through these things, it allows us to get different perspectives, different reflections on who we are. Today we're going to look at Daniel. We're going to walk through Daniel's line. We're going to see what he can say for us in our walk. And one of the very first things as we're looking through um, that really jumped out to me was that Daniel was a person, and this is not the first uh, point uh, because we will get to that in one second, but the first thing that really jumps out to me about Daniel is that Daniel has been elevated to a position in the government. 
And you can tell by his actions and where he is within that government that he cares about the people. And I think a lot of times when we're looking at this story, it's easy to forget that the people that he's governing are not his, like, nationality. They're not his people. They don't agree with him politically. They don't agree with him religiously. They don't agree with him in any aspect. Most of them are at odds with him. He has vast amounts of people that he's ruling over, and he's trying his best, and you can tell that he genuinely cares. People around him see that he is good at his job, that he does well in his position, and that he is trying to do things for the benefit of his country folk. See, one of the things that's really cool about Daniel is that he realizes he's in a situation, and it doesn't really affect how he's going to live his life. I think where we are a lot of times, if I'm just being honest, and I find myself doing it as well, in the current political landscape, it's easy for us to look out and feel maybe attacked and then get angry or get bitter, get, you know, have the tendency to ourselves attack. And Daniel, we see none of that in who he is. He genuinely loves the people, even who are against him. See, he's, he's, what's cool about Daniel is that he understands what it meant to be a Christian. I said that earlier. Before it was even known to what a Christian was, before Christ was even born, because Daniel knew that what was important in life was a relationship with God. And that's the very thing that Christ did, came to do, is to tell us, hey, this is what's important, right? When he comes in, there's all these laws and all these things that are set up to all these people who are saying, well, you have to do this, 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 and this in order to make it into heaven. And Jesus comes in and says, you need a relationship with me, with God the Father. And Daniel realizes this. He realizes it before that's even told. And that's, it just shows the depth of his relationship with God, that he was willing, even in the midst of being completely isolated from his own home, his people being taken there forcibly, he's elevated because of his dedication and devotion to the people around him. That's astounding to me. And that leads us right into the next point, is that if we look through what David and who David is, the very first point that we have here is that um, David's character is impeccable. Now, this isn't something to try to make you feel bad or anything like that. It's because my behavior or character isn't always impeccable. But man, it's a challenge, right? We see this guy who is just completely cut off from everything that he knows. Support groups in his life are gone. Think about his place of religion is gone. Like if you couldn't come here, there were no churches to go to. And yet in the midst of that, he's like, you know what? I know what God has called me to do and who God has called me to be. And so that's what is important. Man, that challenges me. Especially when I get so frustrated with just everything that's going on in the world. I just, I, I look at decisions being made and I disagree with some, I agree with some, and, and I just get frustrated and I get so angry and I feel like, what can I do or what should I do? And I have conversations with people and, and we talk about, well, what should be done and what can't be done? And, it, and in the end, I feel very, very um, just bogged down by the fact that it's all like kind of meaningless in the end because I can talk about it all I want or think about it all I want, but I'm not the person making the choice. So, <laughs> And that can get really, really disheartening. At least I have found, and that's what I struggled with a lot 
through 2020-21. But what Daniel teaches us here is that when we're in situations like that, where maybe we feel like we don't have the influence that we want, or the power that we want, the decision-making capabilities that we want, the really, really core thing to life, what it is, is to have a relationship with God. And if you have that relationship with God, that should bleed into everything that you do, regardless of whether or not it's here at church or at your work. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm challenged by that. Do I sit in my, in, at work and do I always um, act in a way that is Christ-like? I don't know, you know. And, and if I'm honest with myself, I think back to times when maybe it's not. And Daniel really shows, like I said, it's, it's a really good lesson there to show that we, we should strive to look different. And that's what it means. And, and what's crazy is that when we look, what's it, what do they say about him? And this is in Daniel 6, 4. So in Daniel 6, 4, it says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was hold, handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy. Who is he faithful to? What were they talking about there? He was faithful to his employer, Darius, who was not a Christian, who was actively oppressing his Christian faith. Man, that's challenging. Who was he responsible to? Who was he trustworthy to? Darius, his employer, his other co-workers who were actively plotting against him. This was the kind of guy that he was. And the crazy thing is, is that when you live this life, we see what happens. You get plotted against. So it's hard for us, I think, you know, to, to say, well, I, I want to live that way. Set apart. That's what the word holy means. Set apart. Different. Looking different for God. The other day, my daughter and I were driving, and, uh, and she asked me, she said, hey, can anybody be perfect? And I said, well, one person was, but no one else. And she said, well, who was that? I said, well, it was Jesus. And she said, well, I, I know him, but who else? And I said, well, no one else. I said, that's it. And, he was, and she said, well, what would happen if someone was perfect? And I thought for a second, and I thought I was going to go down one way, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to answer her truthfully. I said, I think they would, people would kill him or her. And she was kind of shocked. We were driving the car. I, I could see her face like I looked through the mirror. And she's like, why? why? If they were good. And it was a teaching moment, and I was thinking about this, actually, because I had been prepping for this. And I thought because... When we try to live lives set apart, it brings about lion's dens a lot. It just does. Because light exposes darkness. And people want to snuff out light. They want to cover it up. They want to take it away. And so when I read this story of Daniel, I, I, am, I am challenged, but I am also reassured that, yeah, you know what? It's going to be hard it's not always going to be the best thing to try and live set apart or be a life like that, but it's what I'm called to do. I'm called to be a responsible person, be a trustworthy person, to be a loyal person, even that, to people that might not agree with my beliefs or my worldviews. The next thing that jumps out to me is that um, Daniel trusted the Lord. So I look through, and as I'm reading through, I just see trust after trust after trust. And one of the cool things is I, I think the very first in, 
instance that we see Daniel trusting the Lord is maybe not the very first one that we would think of. Um, Daniel is essentially about to get promoted to be like vice president of this empire. You think he has a little bit of like clout with the king? My first reaction when I hear this is to go to the king and say, hey, this is going to interfere with my life. You better change this. What is going on? We have to figure something around this. That would be my very first reaction because that take, even though this is challenging again, this challenged me, doing that is relying on yourself. I have this position in the world and it is, I'm going to do everything within my own power to change this uncomfortable situation that I find myself in. And man, I see so many Christians right now trying to do that. And I don't know exactly why that doesn't always work, if I'm being honest when I think through things, but it it shows, I think in this story, I'm not sure what would have happened if Daniel had gone, but it definitely is not speaking as much to his character as his trust in God, where he just said, you know what? What my job right now is to continue to do what I'm going to do. Like I said, if I, if I had been in this situation, in Daniel's um, situation, I would have done that. I think I would have gone to, because that's my gut reaction, is whenever I'm in a tough situation, I don't pray first. If I'm just being honest, how can I fix this? And that, that challenged me. Because I look at this guy who, he, he could have gone to the king, he could have done anything, but his very first gut reaction is, I need to go home and I need to pray. And it says right in there, it says, he was praying, asking God what he should do. So he didn't even get the, the, the chance to, maybe God would have said, you know, if, the, if these other officials hadn't, you know, tracked him down right then, maybe God would have said, hey, go to Darius, I've softened his heart, this is going to work out. I don't know, that's not the way it played out. But we see a man who just says, nope, I'm facing one of the toughest decisions that I've ever had to make right now, and my first gut reaction is to go and pray. As Christians, if we want to have a good relationship with God, if we want to trust and be lights in the darkness, then that has to be our first gut reaction too. Not only do we have to live lives that look different, set apart holy, but we have to genuinely mean it, where we trust God, where we go to him for prayer, where we listen, we reflect, we read scripture. We allow it to soak into us. And that sometimes means pausing, And we see here that that pause may have been the reason why he ended up in the the lion's den, but it's crucial because it showed his trust for God. The next point is that Daniel still had to face the lion's den. It's just the point of the story. He still had to go in there. We look, and I think a lot of times, again, this gets wrapped up as like a children's story sometimes. And so if you think about it, you can see like videos or or storybooks or something. And you see like, you know, he's just waltzing in there. He's like, okay, I'll see you guys. It's like, no, I'm sure he was terrified. You know, he trusted God, sure, but he didn't know what God's plan was. I trust God. And I know that even if I'm eaten, right, his friends earlier, Pastor Brand's going to talk about this next week, His friends earlier had been thrown into the fiery furnace. He watched it happen. And their stance in it was, hey, God might not save me. I might die in here. But you know what? In the end, I belong to him. And he'll take care of me in this life or the next. And Daniel, we see, has that same attitude 
in the way that his actions play out. But I don't think that would stem the human fear that you would fear being, feel being dropped into a den of hungry lions. We knew this happened. This, like, and some people, you know, it's all, oh, well, that maybe never happened. Uh, it, it did. We have, again, other, maybe not Daniel specifically, but Christians throughout history got fed to lions. And sometimes it worked out that they lived. We have stories of that as well. Other miraculous times whenever they weren't killed. Sometimes they were eaten. And so I'm sure Daniel in this experience was like, I have seen other people be eaten here. And that might be God's plan for me and I trust him. But this is not going to be fun, I don't think. And I, I struggle with that too, you know, just going into, into a bad situation with not so much a acceptance like, I'm just going to let anything come and hit me, but an acceptance that I trust God. And that's really the, the point of the, of the sermon today in this passage here, and, and we can go to, I'm jumping around with the slides, but we can go to the key point here is that even though the world tends to devour, God's peace is all-consuming for those who trust. This is the truth, is that the, the world wants to just throw us in the lion's den. Not just us as Christians, but everyone. Look at the world around us. Everyone wants to tear down everyone else. Everyone wants to cause hurt and harm to happen to other people. And this is what Christ has taught us, is that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a follower, if you're going to belong to me, you have to be set apart. You have to be a part of the world. We can't section ourselves off can't be judgmental. Think about, think about the Daniel, if he had gotten into the place, the elevated place that he was currently in, and he had been like, oh yeah, now I'm here. And all of you who made my life bad, everyone who exiled me, you're all going to get it. He had that power. He could have played any game he wanted to. He could have caused any amount of harm that he wanted to, but that's not what we have as a record. We see the same thing with Joseph, Right? Joseph being sold into slavery into Egypt. He is elevated to a place of leadership. And instead of taking revenge or taking it out on people that he has been below, he is loyal. He is trustworthy. He is kind to them. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means to be inside the world when all this darkness is happening, knowing that lion's dens may be coming, and yet still living a life that's set apart and looks different. That's what this story is trying to tell us. The really, really beneficial thing, the really, really good thing is that at the very end, the last point, is that God was with Daniel the whole time. God was with Daniel through it all. We see this over and over again, and again, we'll be talking about it next week a little bit more, is that God may ask us or may allow things to happen, may ask us to go through tough times, may allow tough times to happen. In a small group that we have on uh, Wednesday nights, we've been talking about this idea of, of how God interacts with us throughout and how that affects future and, and, and his plan. And it's it's really interesting concept to, to really try to wrap your mind around. But I think every week we kind of just end it with, eh, we're never going to understand this because <laughs> it's God. 
Not in a negative way, but it's God. And if we could understand it, then he wouldn't be God. And so we see God interact with us in very, very cool ways, just like with Daniel, where he says, you know what, this part of my plan for you to go through this. And what's really cool is that we see that plan interact in a very real way, is that Darius starts to follow God. And this is, is it seems within the Bible to, to show that he does this until his death, that he turns and he begins to follow Yahweh until the time of his death. And this very well could be the thing that was a trigger into Cyrus being more sympathetic to the Jewish people and allowing them to re-enter into their homeland. See, we had this good relationship going, this, this, um, this attitude that Daniel took trickled down to affect the entire nation. His entire nation the entire nation that was, he was working with to such a point that um, just even like one generation later, his people were allowed to return home because he didn't live in such a way that was untrustworthy or unloyal. He was a person who stood out. And so I, I re, like I said, that's, as I'm looking through scripture, as when I do my own personal um, Bible studies and when I'm looking through like a passage like this, I pick that passage and I really try to put myself inside the people that are there. And then whatever God's trying to speak into my life, a lot of times something clicks. Daniel and this one definitely clicked. Because I could just think about all that was going on in this world and all that I felt frustrated by maybe my lack of ability to change things or, or do things like that. And, and as I begin to put myself into those shoes and maybe, maybe minimize it some, right? Maybe I'm not in charge of the country, but... I have two daughters that I influence. I have friends that I speak into their lives. And when I look at that and I say, okay, what pitfalls can I fall into? And then when I look at David or Daniel and I say, well, what should I aspire to? And this story all of a sudden becomes very applicable. I'm able to take it and say, yeah, Daniel's a person that I should try to be. And these other people are humans as well. They're not just like evil characters written into some sort of screenplay or something. They're real people, and I could very easily fall into that trap and have in my own life. And so it's a good reminder keeping me out. And so I hope, like I said, I hope that this um, this sermon series is going to be one that I hope brings us hope, um, brings us the ability to look through. And and why I wanted to kind of start it out this way and, and just give a little insight into how I do things is because when we're trying to find peace inside difficult times, there's no greater source than the scripture. To turn to it, to know to be able to jump into it. And that's why it breaks my heart when people say that they can't read it. I've just not been able to read it. Or I, you know, I, I, I get confused sometimes, and I get that. There's a lot of good resources out there that can help if you're really, really confused for things. But I think jumping into passages and trying to understand it and wrestle with it, it's given me so much peace and understanding and insight and experience into how to live life and how to be a person that follows Christ in my life. Even Old Testament scriptures like this where Daniel maybe didn't know that he was a follower of Christ, but he very much was. So I want, I'm going to invite the, uh, the worship team to, to come back up. Um, I just wanted to close in prayer. Uh, I don't know, like I, I've always say, I kind of feel like I say when I close it all the time, that I'm not sure where you are in life because I'm, I'm not. I don't know where all of you are standing. Maybe when you read through this story, you feel more like Darius where you're just like, hey, 
I've been elevating myself above everything else in this world right now. And maybe feel a little bit more like the other officials where you're like, I just am scheming and clawing my way to try and get to the top, no matter what damage I do along the way. Or maybe you feel like Daniel, where you're just like, I am just battered down, broken. I feel like I'm trying to do the best I can, but it's just all these things are thrown against me. I hope this brings you comfort. That God is with us. We may have to face bad things. We've all faced bad things these past couple of years. He doesn't promise that those things won't come, but he promises to be with us. He promises to be with us in the fire, to be with us in the lion's den, to walk with us, to guide us. And if we set ourselves apart for him, then he is there to hold us. So would you join with me in prayer? Dear God, we come before you this morning and we just thank you. We thank you for your word. God, sometimes we are just so lost. Sometimes we have difficult things happening to us. Sometimes on top of everything that's happening in the world, we have personal things, personal loss, personal heartache. And it's hard to continue on, let alone be set apart. It's hard to go to work every day sometimes, God, let alone be a light. So God, we just pray right now, we ask for strength. We ask for your Holy Spirit. God, if there's people in this room right now who have not experienced a relationship with Christ, they've not given their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God, we pray that they feel comfortable enough to open that conversation with you. Now, there's not a magic spell that we say. We see with Daniel, he didn't even know who Christ was, and yet he was worshiping him and following him, and he had a relationship, and he was saved by the same power of Christ that saves you and I. So God, we just lift up our insecurities and our questions. We lift up anything that maybe was holding us back in the past, and we just... We open ourselves up to that relationship with you. That's what we want. That's what we desire. We know that without it, we won't be able to be a light. We won't have the strength in ourselves. So we pray that the Holy Spirit enters into our lives as we seek a true and meaningful relationship with you, God. God, whether we are in a many-year relationship with you, or whether it's just our first moments or days. God, we just pray that we continue to thirst and seek after you. No matter what is coming at us, no matter what is bombarding our thoughts, maybe with doubts, God, we just pray that the Holy Spirit strengthens us and boldens us And we thank you so much for what you've done for the gift of sending your son and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of your scriptures and the gift of each other. We lift you up. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. 
If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Maine is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.